I love the psychology of it. I am part therapist and part healer and part doctor. And, and that is really unique about it. You know, there's no one in the world who uh, I think is as thankful when they have their gallbladder out and they don't have pain, but they've got a scar. And so, you know, people minimize plastic surgery, but really it is very life-changing and confidence-building for a lot of people. Hey, midlifers, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife? Are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days? No matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover, job burnout, or you just have the midlife blues, I got you. Hey, I'm Wendy, your hostess of the Midlife Mostess. I too was hit by midlife like a freight train. I too felt stuck in the same dull chapter. I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body, how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. Everyone, welcome back to the Midlife Makeover Show. We have a really exciting topic today. It's actually a topic that has never been discussed on the show after almost, what, 150 episodes? And it has not been discussed on here. I know you're probably like, what, is, what are we going to talk about today? But I'm always looking for fascinating guests, fascinating topics. And today we have both. Da, da, da. Today's guest is Dr. Carolyn Chang. She is a San Francisco aesthetic plastic surgeon and vice chairman of plastic surgery at California Pacific Medical Center. She is certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery, is a member of the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery and is a fellow of the American College of Surgeons. Now, the one word I couldn't say was surgeons. Good golly. Let's see. <laughs> she is also a member of the Communications Committee for the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery. Dr. Chang graduated with a Bachelor of Science with honors from Stanford University and received the Dean's Award for Excellence in Clinical Medicine at Stanford University Medical School. She did her general surgery and plastic surgery training at Stanford University Medical Center. She completed an additional advanced surgical fellowship at New York University and a second year of further specialization under the guidance of Dr. John Q. Owsley? Is it Owsley? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, I got that right. One of the pioneers of the modern SMAS facelift. Ooh, do tell. Dr. Chang is an invited lecturer both locally and nationally on a wide range of topics in the field of aesthetic surgery. She is a longtime resident of the Bay Area and is committed to the betterment of her community through her active philanthropic involvement and as a patron of the arts. Dr. Chang lives in San Francisco with her husband, Patrick, and their children, James and Gemma. What cute names, James and Gemma. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I, I mean, you, that, that's impressive, the bio, but I'm <laughs> impressed with myself that I actually was able to read it. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's yes. an honor and a pleasure. 
Welcome to the show. And uh, yeah, there's so many things we can talk about with this topic. But you and I, before we hit record, we were saying like, you know, plastic surgery. It's such a sensitive topic. It's like religion and politics. Like some people just don't Mm -hmm. even go there. But we're going to go there today. We're going to have fun with it. And I just want to say, before we get really into it, that you it's your body, right? And everybody has their own body and they can do whatever they want with that. And as long as it makes you feel good, then... So I would say if you're not really open to it, then just entertain the idea of some of the things that we're going to talk about today. So my first question to you is, what inspired you to go into cosmetic surgery? People ask me that all the time. Oh. How did I become a plastic surgeon? It's so interesting that people are interested in that. Yes. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's just the path. But I uh, started at Stanford Medical School, and they, they actually will assign you a preceptor during your clinical, your uh, study years, the educational years where you're in the classroom. And they assigned me, lo and behold, a female plastic surgeon. Interesting. Who then took me into the operating room and she showed me, she did a lot of breast reconstruction and I, I got to participate in the surgeries and that was my first and most formative probably experience with surgery. And I think that colored my yeah. uh, intent uh, of, when I chose a specialty and then it just so happens that I like all things beautiful. So it all worked ah, out. What do you love most about it? About plastic surgery or surgery? Plastic surgery, plastic surgery, I can talk about more. Yeah, yeah. I love the immediacy of it. Mm. I love the psychology of it. Mm. I am part therapist and part healer <laughs> yeah. and part doctor. And, and that is really unique about it. You know, there's no one in the world who uh, I think is as thankful when they have their gallbladder out and they don't have pain, but they've got a scar. And so, you know, people minimize plastic surgery, but really it is very life-changing and confidence-building for a lot of people. And they always want it, and they're so thankful beyond belief. That's such a good point, right? Because it's not, we think about plastic surgery, we think of just the physical aspect of it, but it's so much deeper than that. There's that psychological piece. And kind of like what I was saying before about comes down to how you feel. Well, I think you're absolutely right about that. And yeah. I really do have the same mindset as you. And, mm. and uh, you know, I understand completely that plastic yeah. surgery is not for everyone. I mean, I'm Chinese. I come from a culture where you do not have surgery at all. You yeah. do not have any body modification. This is not what I'm, you know, all about. Yeah. I don't even do a tattoo on myself. And yet I do this for a living. Yeah, and so I understand that it's not for everyone. But I do know that for the people that it is for, it can be truly truly a, a very um, sentinel experience. You know, yeah. I just took four and a half pounds off of a woman the other day who had lost some weight yeah. after, um, you know, she was in menopause now. She'd had a bunch of kids and she each time a little bit of weight came on and mm. came on and came on and then it was out of control mm. and she'd lost probably about 50 pounds and she, it was like her inner self came out after the four pounds Isn't were shed. amazing? It's yeah, amazing. I was telling you before, I was like noticing on Instagram, I see a lot of before and afters. And then there was this lady that she had lost a ton of weight and her thighs, like she had just all of this extra skin mm-hmm. and she went through this whole like procedure and it showed the before and after. It was just fascinating. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I would have to say what I noticed more 
about that before and after was her smile, like her, how she stood and how she was, it was like, you could just tell she just felt better about herself. And you think too, like, especially if you're, if you lose all that weight, you, that's, that is hard to do to actually, mm-hmm. to lose yep. all that weight, to go through all of that, the discipline, and then you get to the end of it and you're like, ah, okay, I lost all this weight, but look at this. Like, and it's I don't, still there. And you yeah. still don't feel comfortable in a bathing <laughs> right. suit, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, it's a real problem. And I think that that, um, you know, I have people tell me all the time that they're when they come see me for various things, they say, mm-hmm. you know, this is something that I thought about every day of my life. And a good example of that is actually yeah. breast augmentation. For some reason, mm-hmm. it is a large part of the way people feel about themselves. Yeah. Um, both just aesthetically and sexually and mm-hmm. as a female. And, and they, after kids, sometimes will deflate. And then they say, they think about it every day. And then once they do the surgery, all of a sudden it's non-issue. Yeah. So it just is, it can just really heal the core of something. It's not going to change your life and it's not going to fix your problems and your relationships, but it's going to make you feel some measure of confidence in that area that you didn't before. Yeah, exactly. And confidence is, makes a big difference in your, in your, Mm -hmm. and yourself and your well-being and your life how you carry yourself through your career with your friends, with your family. Right. And I think, yeah, I mean, you get one body in this lifetime, depending on whatever you believe. Right. But it's like, why not just feel good in your skin? Mm -hmm. Right. I think so. And especially with menopause, you know, you see the aging changes really rapidly going. Yeah. I I always think that somewhere in the mid forties, it starts to, you know, the, you know, aging is yeah. pretty slow at first, and then it just starts to go like this. And then all of a sudden, you're free fall when it goes yeah. into menopause. <laughs> yeah. And so people will literally yeah. say they woke up one day and look like this. And, yep. you know, you think, oh, yeah, right. But then when you go through it, like I did, you, you, yeah. you realize, oh, this is not, yep. you know, this is real. It's happening. And so it, I think that people want to take care of themselves, and they feel really young inside. And then they look in the mirror, and they think, what is yeah. this? I don't look like this. Right. And and it just, you know, it, it, they want to project on the outside what they feel on the inside. And I think that's completely yeah. a natural response. And no one wants to age. No one wants to age really these days. And, yeah. And I think menopause is especially vulnerable time for women, especially. Yeah, that is so tough. I mean, and I, I've said this before on the show. It's like you think about when we hit midlife, you know, your 40s and 50s, there's so many changes going on around us, you know, the birdies Mm -hmm. are leaving the nest and careers are changing, our relationships Mm -hmm. are changing, maybe our parents are, you know, becoming ill. And I mean, there's so much going on. And Mm -hmm. then you put menopause on top of that. Mm -hmm. And then all the physical changes, it's like, ah, it's like we thought raising kids was hard. Good golly. And now we have to, you know what I mean? Like, Jeez, like cut me some slack here. So I think, yeah, as far as like plastic surgery goes, like again, it it if it makes you feel better, why not? I think so. I mean, for menopause, you know, I have women, I have women in my practice. Mm. I've been in practice for 20 years, and I have women that come back and back, and I see them Mm. periodically over their lifespan. And over 20 years, people change a lot. And yeah. I had another woman come in and she says, you know, you know, you've known me forever. And now I have this 
roll around my stomach mm-hmm. that I can't get rid of. And I know her. I know yeah. she diets and exercises. She takes really good care of her. She yeah. takes pride in her appearance. And this is just something you cannot diet through. Yeah. And you cannot exercise off. And um, and this is, it's just, it makes people feel, for lack of a better word, middle-aged. Yeah. And they don't want to feel middle-aged. Yeah. And so I think I think in that sort of menopause time, I sort of was laughing with the girlfriends of mine. I'm like, you know, you're still young enough that you're going to fight it all the whole way. Yeah. I think maybe when you get into your 60s and 70s, you are resigned and you're okay with it. But right now you're in that period of time where you're still feeling like you can look young and you're, and you're fighting it and you're feeling young. And, yeah. and so that's why I see so many people at this, this sort of transitional time when their looks are changing and their body's changing and they're you know, quote, unquote, drying too- out. It's an interesting thing because you can still feel youth. And so you want to recapture it. You think mm-hmm. it's possible still. Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking too, um, of course, you know, we see some of these famous people on TV that have had the plastic surgery and they went to the extreme. And I was just thinking maybe that's one of the reasons why so many people are are scared about plastic surgery Mm -hmm. because they think that, oh, okay, if I do a facelift or do a tummy tuck, then then I'm going to end up like that. And not, again, no judgment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just some of the ones that we've seen out there like, ah, you know, they become almost right. addicted to it. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can do so many natural uh, changes to your body with plastic surgery. I mean, or that it looks natural is what I'm trying to say. That it's not like, oh, my gosh, like not everyone in the world's going to notice like, oh, my God, she had plastic surgery. Right. Or he, he or right. she. Right. Um, so yeah, I just thought about that though, that it doesn't mean that if you do the plastic surgery, that it's going to be that extreme end of the plastic surgery. Well, you bring up a really good point with that. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I am so passionate about trying to educate people. So unfortunately, a lot of what you see is not just plastic surgery in the true sense of the word, but it's plastic surgery and cosmetic enhancements gone awry. So if you do cosmetic surgery correctly, particularly on the face, mm-hmm. one absolute tenet of mine is that you take the structures mm-hmm. that have fallen and you put them back anatomically where they started. Mm-hmm. And so that person's going to look natural if you put their structure back together on yeah. the inside. Yeah. But then if you go and you start plumping everything inside, um, yeah. you know, you do strange thread things or uh, (laughs) a lot of contouring. I mean, I think the biggest culprit of weird looking things tends to be overfilled faces yes, or oddly filled faces. And then it's given the whole industry a bad rap. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I've been in some, as I've been on my travels, (laughs) I've been in some areas that Mm -hmm. you see a lot of that and Mm -hmm. they just, gosh, it's awful. Well, what that also brings up another point is like, mm-hmm. when is it that you're overfilled? Sometimes people right. don't recognize that. You exactly. know, it's sort of like when you go blonde and you go blonder and blonder, <laughs> you just don't know where to stop. So, <laughs> so one thing that I think is really important to know about fillers is that they can be a very powerful tool yes. and, and then rightly so, mm-hmm. but they are really designed for very, they are most effective and mm-hmm. initially designed for just a small amount of enhancement. Yes. So you can imagine one common thing is to put filler in the cheekbone or the temples and to mm-hmm. try and lift the mid face. 
So the more the mid-face drops, the more you have to put in to lift it. And at some point in time, that's not looking good. And no one's telling you because no one wants to hurt your feelings. And you're walking around looking like we're not going to name the celebrities. So really what you need to do at that point in time is you need to put that mid-face back where it belongs. And then those fillers are going to be super gorgeous and you're going to look like Charlize Theron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's so pretty. So you know, I, I was just. She had I, surgery, I think. By the way, she, I think so. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, and that's amazing. the thing. I mean, it comes down to finding the right surgeon, right? Doing your research, mm-hmm. and they can do it in a way where it does look so natural. Mm-hmm. I mean, some Absolutely. of those some of those results are just incredible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so one thing that I can talk about in relation to that statement mm-hmm. is that you can also, you know, you don't have to do every single thing at once right. if you're not comfortable with it, yep. or if you want to glamazon it up, then you can. Mm-hmm. So the, the interesting thing about Instagram, which I think is the primary plastic <laughs> surgery media because we're visual, <laughs> yeah. so it's nice photos, yeah. is that, you know, that the, everything is instant uh, impact. Uh-huh. So you'll see these before afters and the really popular Instagram surgeons always have very dramatic results because you just can't capture somebody's imagination without something blatantly different and hopefully more glamorous. Right. And so those patients are all people that have generally had a lot more than just one procedure Mm -hmm. in order to get the whole rejuvenation. Yeah. And if that's something you want, then you can absolutely have that. But if you really don't want to look quite that done or quite that um, glamorized, which yep. a lot of my patients don't. I'm in Northern California. They don't want to look like that. You yep. can also just do parts of it. And yeah. that keeps it really low key. So if you just do the face and neck, for instance, or the jawline and neck, and you leave your eyes alone, I would bet a million million dollars that people would just think you've lost weight. Yeah. And that is yeah. how you keep it looking natural. If you're afraid of a big change. Mm-hmm. Or you're not ready for a big change. Yeah, yeah. You can just do a few things and that's it. I was just thinking, this is uh, kind of silly, but this was years and years ago. Yeah, talk about going through like menopause or perimenopause. Mm-hmm. And my face started breaking out. And yes. um, I got yep. like, this, I got it. yeah, I got this like horrible, like cystic-like zit mm-hmm. on my mm-hmm. cheek. It was like so mm-hmm. weird. Um, And then when it... When it went away, it left like a pit in my mm-hmm. cheek. And mm-hmm. actually, I had, when I went to, and he wasn't even a cosmetic surgeon. He was a dermatologist, really good. And he actually put filler in there mm-hmm. just to bring it back up to the surface of my cheek. I mean, mm-hmm. this is minor, obviously, right? But it made such a huge difference in how I felt. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I all I would see is that damn pit on my cheek every single day. And I was like, God dang it. I'm like, this thing is not going away. And yeah, it's a tiny amount that made a huge difference right. in my confidence and how I felt. Well, yeah. it's, you're lucky you just had one pit because I've got a yeah. whole chin pull. So I'm oh, someone yeah. who's always had acne for a whole, a whole life. And it's different. You know, first it's a teenage acne, then it's yeah. uh, acne from my surgery because you wear the mask, and now it's hormonal acne. And it's gotten so bad that I actually went to visit a dermatologist to yep. talk about it because I couldn't control it. And that's one of the things that happens in menopause. It's like, boom, you're hit with yep. stuff on your face like a teenager, but you're not looking like a teenager. So it's really not very fair, is it? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what is 
this. Yeah, you know, like I went through that already. Yeah. So speaking of. But lots of, of changes happen yeah. on the skin as well. You get a lot of dryness that you didn't have before. Yeah. Um, your skin just tends to look older in that sense because dryness, I think, is one of the biggest ways you can. One of the combating dryness, mm. I think, is one of the biggest ways that yeah. you can make your skin look more youthful. And so when you lose that natural moisture, everything looks more wrinkled. And so I think yeah. in menopause, it's really important to look at skincare as a, as a positive thing for your looks. You yeah. really want to get a good moisturizer. I recommend things with hyaluronic acid in them yes. to get really boost moisture content. I recommend some exfoliation as well. Retin- mm. Retinoids, if you haven't started yeah. them, are really the gold standard for that. Yep. And that helps with your hormonal acne too. Yeah. So there's definitely some skincare that can be really beneficial if you've never done that your whole life. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. And I, I shared with you, I'm like, I'm all about my lotions and my potions. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like they are so important to, to keep up with. And and I've always used really good, high quality products. I do think that makes a difference, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Like if you can do it, then if you're mm-hmm. able to buy some of those things and even just like a good vitamin C, the hyaluronic mm-hmm. acid, all of that mm-hmm. stuff um, mm-hmm. really can make a huge difference and can prevent so if anything, too, like if you're not happy with, you know, I mean, usually it's our face that we see first thing, you know, mm-hmm. in the morning in the mirror. And if you're not happy with that, then start with some really good products. And sometimes you're able to do that without having to do surgery or fillers well, or Botox. Can, yeah, I mean, it can definitely make a big difference. And sometimes also just a simple laser resurfacing, although there is yes. some downtime, but it's less intimidating for people to yep. do a laser rather than surgery can really help your skin quality and just get it to glow a little bit more, get rid of all that sun damage. That mm. combined with good skincare can go a long way. Yeah. And then after that, you know, you've got to probably most likely resort to surgery if you've got some jowling, you know, the jawline, cheeks come down and the neck's a little bit lax. And that's what people mostly see. Um, But it's it's always a good idea to start with the basics. What about the um, the drooping eyelids? Do you get a lot of that? And yeah, that's yeah, that's the number one thing people start with. And that starts as early as the upper 30s. Uh, you know, for people yeah. that are particularly proactive or genetically predisposed to extra yeah, skin. Yeah, I was going to say my, so my grandmother, my aunt, my mom, my mom, not, not, not so much. So because of that, like, I've always tried to make sure, like, as a matter of fact, here's my little rose thingy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I do a lot of massaging yeah. and I bought this really cool ice roller on Amazon. It is the bomb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's a... I want to call it, I want to call it gua sha. It's a, it's a more of an Asian inspired Chinese, Chinese medicine inspired version of that jade roller. Yeah. And people use that around their eyes a lot. Um, yeah. And it's all about the cold uh, mm-hmm. and the, the stroking. And it really, yeah, I think what it does is it activates your lymphatics and gets the circulation going in your, in your face. And yeah. It seems silly, but honestly, my, my facelift patients, when they have some residual swelling, I tell them to get a jade roller. So you're yeah. right on the right track. And it yeah. does soothe and it does encourage flow of lymph and, and blood. Yeah. And, and what, you know, what are some like of your that. favorite product lines? Skincare. Well, I'm kind of biased. So there's a lot of good ones. I, I even, I, you know, but I tend to stick with medical ones, medic, yeah. more medically oriented ones. So my very favorite one, and I think this is true for a lot of dermatologists as well. Yeah. So this is a very well-known line. It's called Neocutis. Yep. It's I've, been around. It was mm-hmm. actually developed, I believe, in South San Francisco. 
originally. Oh. And I think that I met the mother of the person that did develop it and that or had something to do with it. And that's how I knew that. Yeah. And then it just grew as a biotech company because what it did was it purified some proteins that really helped encourage your skin to mm-hmm. regenerate and, and regrow. And I think it got bought by a large company. It's but amazing. It's been an excellent line for 15 years. It's That's amazing what they can what they can do mm-hmm. now. I mean, some of these products yeah. and yeah. to where you literally can tell a difference within a few days, right? If you have the right moisture balance, even if you use Pond's cold cream, you can tell a difference yes. in a few days. That's what my Definitely. grandma But I but I'm a fan of if you can't swing the whole line, because um, yeah. it can be a quite an outlay. Yep. I'm a big fan of at least a really good retinoid. That's mm-hmm. medically medical grade and a really good uh, something to lighten your skin with, like a, an acid, you know, yes. like a vitamin C, vitamin C, you know, yeah. or something like that. I think those are very important for overall skin quality as you get, especially as you get older. Yeah. And then you can you can go to drugstore for the rest of it. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I totally believe in like buying some of those products from like a dermatologist mm-hmm. or a cosmetic surgery's office, but. Um, what is it? Uh, revision. I've used revision too. That's a really yes, good one. Yes, I've seen that. That's the black bottle, right? Yeah. And yeah. you know what thing mm-hmm. too, even though they are more expensive, they usually mm-hmm. last longer. You don't have to use as much as if you were to buy something from Walgreens, right? So, right. I mean, I've got this thing of vitamin C that I bought. And when I bought, it, I was like, oh my God, it was like $150 or something. Mm-hmm. And, right. But I, I've, I think I've had it for four months, five months now. You know, and it's well, you only need a spot. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So what do you find um, in regards to the plastic surgery for the women that come in? What are well, you did say breast uh, breast enhancement, right? Uh, That's probably like the number one. Well, I think in breast surgery, if you're taught, it depends on the age level. So you know, if you're targeting menopause, then it could be more likely a breast reduction, actually, believe it or yes. not, because mm-hmm. what happens is you do gain some weight. You may have naturally had larger breasts to begin with, yeah. gain some weight, and then all of a sudden they're out of control. Or mm. another scenario that I'm seeing more and more of, surprisingly, and this is an, a, an interesting thing, but more and more I'm seeing women come in and they want their implants out. So I just yes. did about two of those last week just wow. for that reason. These are people that had them in when they were 20 and 30 yeah. for the obvious reasons, after kids, whatever. And then all of a sudden their bodies changed. Yeah, I think the breast tissue does increase on its own. And then with weight gain, mm-hmm. they just be, they're like, I look matronly. You know, I yeah. look middle-aged. And so we took them out. So that can wow. happen too. So it just depends on the age that you're talking about. But I think in menopause, especially, a lot of times we're looking at making things smaller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And likewise with the body, you know, making things smaller. <laughs> you get that smaller, fat yeah. collection around the middle. So lipo is pretty popular yeah. at that time. Yeah. What, um, what are some of the newer advancements right now? I don't even know some of them that are like as far as like, and face or for, yeah. They're kind of- well, I think, yeah, I think that there's a lot of new things actually. And, but, mm. but, and, you know, medicine is not like the internet. It goes at a snail's pace. So we yeah. call something new that's five and 10 years old. So, oh, but yeah. in general, there's trends. So mm. I think that's the best way to talk about it. Okay. So I think for the face, 
there are some really powerful adjunctive procedures that you can do at the time of your, let's say, lower face and neck lift, because that's probably the most mm-hmm. popular thing that I do in menopause time. Mm, yeah. um, and so some of those are like micronized fat grafting, which is mm. a, a more purified form of the, of the fat that you're harvesting. Mm-hmm. And that can really enhance actually the growth of your skin in terms of regeneration, as well as provide some volume. Wow. And I think that can be very pretty, especially around the eyes. Yeah. Um, I think that one trend that's really been great is to combine laser resurfacing, you know, mm. as an adjunctive procedure to your lift as well, mm. um, either at the same time or shortly thereafter, or shortly before. And so you're using that to, to help the skin textural problems because you can't do that with surgery. Yeah. With surgery, you can only help contour. Mm. And then there's all these other sort of trendy little touch up things you can do too. So one of my favorites actually is an upper lip lift. Mm. So as we get older, not, you know, just period, your bony structure starts to resorb and your lip actually will get longer. Mm. And that is something people don't even notice is happening. They just think that they look like everything's sagging. But if you just do that little lip lift and you do it very conservatively, it can just Wow. That in itself can, again, make your face look youthful. It's interesting. And then, of course, people want to look like Kim Kardashian, so they want their buckle fat taken out, too. You have to be careful with that. The older you get. So, yeah, there's lots of little, I think the, the trend is more, which yes. is interesting. More complete rejuvenation, mm-hmm. which, like I said before, is not necessarily right for everyone. So don't be intimidated by that. I think yeah. you have to do that. But that is, I think the trend these days. And I think it's as a result of those pretty pictures we see online. Yeah. What if someone's out there and they've been wanting to do some cosmetic surgery, but they're nervous about, you know, their family, their friends, what people are going to think. How -hmm. do they even like talk to their spouse about it? What do you, any recommendations for that? Yeah, that's a hot topic. Totally. So I have women in two camps. One is, oh yeah, my family's really uh, supportive. They don't really care. They want me to do whatever I want. Uh, And then the other is like, I haven't even talked to my husband. Yeah. And that's always something that's really difficult or a very, even more than the husband, because oftentimes the husband knows, but the kids don't know. Mm. And the kids have serious judgment. And, And I think it comes from fear. Yeah. And I think it comes from, um, well, I think the kids, it comes from fear and fear that you're not going to look the same. And I think from your peers, sometimes it can honestly come from feeling threatened Mm -hmm. that you're going to go do this thing that's going to get you sort of ahead of the game and they're not for whatever reason doing it. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that, which sounds really catty, but I think in the back of people's minds, it may come through a little bit. So you have to be careful about who you tell and and how you tell. So you want to pick your most supportive friends, your most open-minded friends to talk about it, or preferably people that have done it already. Yeah. And then for your family, you know, everybody's different. But I think that um, one thing that does help is to have the family members actually talk to the surgeon. I've done that a lot. That's a a good idea. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. It works really well because it it makes, especially the husbands, feel a lot better. Yeah. It really does because it demystifies a little bit. Yeah. I think that's what it is. And showing them pictures and, you know, that kind of thing and talking through the process. And I even go so far as to show people post-op day one, post-op day seven. And that way they know what they're getting into and they see or not see that it's not that bad. You know, I I have a 
I do about 80 to 100 facelifts a year and I have it, wow. I have the system kind of down. So my patients don't have a lot of bruising for the most part at the beginning, mm-hmm. but there is some facial distortion and you'll, you can see a pattern of that. And so yeah. I think that really kind of reassures people, okay, I'm going to look like that. Right. But in the end, I'm going to look like this. Right. And I think it really helps the family too. Mm-hmm. Just setting the clear expectations. Like, exactly. okay, there's nothing getting, wrong here. Like this was normal. Yeah. We saw those pictures. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is getting everyone comfortable. Yeah. Comfortable that the patient is making the right decision and for the right reasons. Is that the most difficult recovery is the facelift? Actually, it's not a difficult recovery physically mm, okay. at all. It doesn't hurt much. It seems like it would, but it really doesn't hurt much. Most people take a little bit of pain pills and that's about it. Mm. It's the most difficult recovery, I think, mentally. Yeah. Because you're looking at your face. Your face is yeah. you. Your face is something you've had your whole life and all of a sudden it doesn't look like you. Yes. So I tell my patients, you're not going to look like yourself. You're going to look like an upside down triangle because your jawline's going to be tight and firm yeah. and your cheeks are going to be really, you know, you're going to look like ET kind of, and I show them pictures, but then also, um, I show them that it goes down and I tell right. them, and this is really funny, actually, that at a week, most people's facial recognition starts to work again. Cause that mid face swelling comes down and that, uh, that ID can work. And then they get excited. They're like, Oh, I'm back. Yeah. So it's just a matter of coaching someone through the mental anguish at the beginning or the, why did I do this to myself? Oh my God. Yes, never exactly. Yeah. Wow. So that's really, I think the hardest part about any facial surgery. Yeah. And just being patient through it. Yeah. And being, well, you have to, I say mm-hmm. one thing that I say all the time is you have to let go and trust in the process. Yeah. And it's really, that is the number one thing. You it, have to trust in the process. Yeah. That's like story of my life right there. <laughs> <laughs> like, trust in the process. <laughs> go with it. You have to let go. I mean, I have investment bankers. I have people, all these people that are high powered and they need to get back to work or whatever they're doing. They don't want to be disruptive or they're massive exercisers. And I say, you have to be patient. You have to let go. Yes. You can't control this. You can't direct this. You can't make it go faster. And you have to trust that it's going to work. I can tell you're such a caring, caring, (laughs) caring person, caring human being, caring doctor, but like you'd be the perfect one because that's what you want. Thank you. I do. I try. I I really try to do the right thing for my patients. And I'm very transparent about what is going on. And. I'm very transparent when things go not the way we want, Yeah, but I yeah. do every single thing I can to make sure that the outcome is just what they want. And, you know, it's, and it's such an art. It is. It, I mean, is. it really is. It's, it's fascinating. Like right. I, I, I think I shared with you too, that, um, there was a reel of this lady that she had a facelift and it took her like through the whole process of week one, all the way until the very end. And, it's like, wow, like that is just so cool. But again, and, and I think she was probably around, she looked like maybe late 50s, 60 ish mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. But Sweet spot. Yep. yeah, and it's probably, who knows? I obviously don't know the lady, but it's probably something that she'd been thinking about for a long time. I was like, all right, let's do this thing, you know? But she looks so happy at the end of it. Well, it just, and, you know, it just, uh, it makes you feel like you're in control of your life again. I mean, yeah. you, you've got something. I had one woman tell me, which I thought was the most beautiful thing, actually. She said, you know, and it's funny because by the time I saw her, she was really weathered and 
And honestly, she didn't look that great. And mm. I thought, you know, someone like that, I'm surprised sometimes they want to do plastic surgery. But then she showed me a picture of her in her 20s. She was gorgeous. Wow. And it was just all that Southern California sun. Yep. And not worrying about skincare and not worrying about diet or anything. And her natural beauty had just gotten so obscured. I mean, if you see oh. pictures of Brigitte Bardot now, you'll see the same thing. Yeah. But then I did her face and a lot of that structure came back. Mm. And she said to me, she said, you know, I am so thankful because I look in the mirror now and I feel like I get a do-over. Oh. And that was so lovely when she said that. Oh, I you love You get a that. do-over. And wow. it was, it just made her feel so much better about herself. Literally a midlife makeover. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So do you get people just in the San Francisco area? Or do you get people all over? I get people all over, nice. um, you know, with, with the migration of the world yeah. to everywhere. I, and I've been in practice for 20 years. I do three to 400 surgeries a year. You, there's a lot of people that are migrating all over. So there's a lot of word of mouth everywhere. And a lot of yeah. people come back actually for repeat surgery too. And then I yeah. have people from overseas. You know, I used, wow. um, Hawaii is a theater actually. So Hawaii mm. and uh, all up and down the West Coast, Alaska even, where there's not as many providers. So it's yeah. just, it's just people want to go with people that they are recommended. I right. think the number one thing when you get into a mature practice mm -hmm. is the majority of my patients now are not off the internet per se, which is not a bad thing necessarily, but right. they are recommended by other people yep. uh, and that, or other doctors. And I think that's mm -hmm. a really good way to start looking for a plastic surgeon is to ask around, ask your providers yeah. if you don't know, know anyone that you feel comfortable asking. And you think too, if you're going to go through with something like that, why not see the best and why not, you know, whatever, spend the extra money mm -hmm. on a plane ticket and a hotel room, you know, to actually have right. it done right. And right. because well, it might be the only one that you do. So yes, definitely do it right. That's right. Yeah. And if you, if you do have the resources to that or do have the desire to do that, our offices and I'm sure most plastic surgeons offices are extremely equipped with ha helping you through that process. Mm -hmm. So I have private duty nurses. I have drivers. I have places wow. that I put people up. I even have women uh, or caretakers that take my patients. That's oftentimes the best. Uh, I have this lovely woman in Tiburon who has been taking patients, uh, not just mine, for 20 years. She drives into appointments. She knows exactly how to take care of them. And that is really comforting for people, especially out of town, for that bridge time. Yeah, yeah, that is so nice. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Yeah. Wow. Well, where can we find you? Well, you can find me in San Francisco. Um, I'm obviously Googleable, Carolyn Chang, <laughs> MD. And uh, I know there's no plastic surgeon in the world you can't find. And then I have Instagrams too, which I think okay. people like to look at. So my doctor one is Carolyn Chang, MD. I have a personal, and then I have one to, just specifically for photos too. But if you click on Carolyn Chang MD, you can find the rest of them. Yeah, I looked so. for some of those. Fascinating. You're so well, good. Thank you. You're so thank good at you. what you do. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I'm glad that we, we shine some light on this topic. I am too. I really, I enjoy talking about it. I love talking to patients about it. I love doing it. And I really love having uh, to being on, on your show. Thank Aww, you. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change, or spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are three ways you can thank me. Number one, 
You can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three, share it with another midlifer that needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.